Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Plant Services Tool Belts Podcast. I'm Tom Welch, Chief Editor of Plant Services, and today's discussion focuses on Gen Z, the generation of young adults who are just starting to make an impact in the industrial workplace. A research study conducted in June by Percival of 1,000 U.S. respondents aged 18 to 24 found that the COVID-19 pandemic has had an impact on Gen Z's perception of manufacturing. For example, more than half of the respondents said they had not considered frontline manufacturing as a potential career before the pandemic, and of those 54%, about a quarter are now open to exploring it. Today I talk with Lawrence Whittle, who is the CEO of Parsable. He's been extensively involved in the manufacturing technology space for his 25 years career, and he spoke with me about findings from the Parsable study and his own thoughts on generational attitudes towards industry. Well, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us about yourself, Lawrence, and your work since joining Parsable? Absolutely. So um, great to be on the uh, on the podcast. So my name is Lawrence Whittle. I'm the CEO of Parsable. As you can probably hear originally from uh, from the UK, I left London 30 years ago um, and have been based in California for the last uh, 15 years. And um, throughout my sort of 25 years uh, career, I've been um, extensively involved in the manufacturing uh, technology space. So I started my career working with uh, uh, manufacturing companies, especially in the process industry. And I joined Passable um, just over four years ago as we started to get uh, sort of our ideas put together around transforming the, the lives of frontline workers. So we've been driving that uh, that mission since uh, 2016 in terms of when our product first went to market and uh, built a really interesting business in terms of providing modern digital tools to frontline workers. Great. And we're speaking today because of a research study that you and your team did, uh, specifically focusing on perceptions by Gen Z of manufacturing. Um, the survey was released about uh, two weeks ago, I believe, or less than a week ago. Um, last week. Last week. And some of the data points are really fascinating. So uh, I thank you for being on with the podcast to talk about what you're, what you're seeing in the survey. Um, the first question I have for you is that for some time now, you know, this sector of industry, maintenance and reliability, uh, we've been drive, trying to drive efforts to change the perception of manufacturing among both younger workers and their parents. And I know your study was focused on 18 to 24 year olds. Your study suggests that we're starting to turn the corner on that perception, um, at least in having a favorable view of manufacturing, if not industrial jobs themselves. So that's a long way to introduce and say, can you tell us more about how the study came together um, and your thoughts about the influence the pandemic has had on these kind of perceptions. I think this is a, um, to some extent, a well understood challenge. We've been talking about the uh, the grey tsunami or the, the you know the labour challenges, not just domestic here in North America, but this is actually a global issue. Um, before the pandemic. Um, in addition to being the CEO of Passable, I'm an active member of the World Economic Forum in their advanced manufacturing group. And you know, we were already seeing that the, the future of work um, was changing, first of all, because technology becoming more and more pervasive around digital and the concepts of Industry 4.0, but also the dynamic change in the, in the workforce. Um, obviously, as the pandemic hit, these workforce challenges became even more apparent because the acceleration of baby boomers retiring uh, lower shift patterns, lower numbers of workers has put a lot of stress on the system. So, you know, there was a lot of concern uh, pre-pandemic and actually for, for many years that we had a, an existential risk growing, which was, you know, by 2030, um, there's expected to be 2 million jobs uh, unfulfilled in this space and with the baby boomers retiring. So 
we thought it's time to recheck in with the uh, you know the earlier career, the generation uh, Zs, to see if the perception had changed. Um, and we really wanted to understand, you know, not just about perceptions, but also how those perceptions have changed. Because we all have a perception that earlier career people do not have an interest in frontline work, industrial work. And, you know, my father used to wear a hard hat. I've spent most of my career around the manufacturing space. I have millennials in my house and I have a, a Gen Z in my house. Um, and I encourage them to think about manufacturing because people think it's noisy, dirty, well, in fact, it's far from the truth. These are increasingly tech-enabled uh, jobs. So, you know, we did this survey to really get a, a primary pulse um, of a large number of people in that sort of 18 to 24s. And, um, you know, it's been something that people have been thinking about a lot during the pandemic. You see what the National Association of Manufacturers have been doing. I mentioned the World Economic Forum. We launched a community called the New Generation Industrial Leaders and I think this pandemic really highlights the criticality of frontline workers. And therefore, let's see if the perception of frontline work has equally been changed. Because I think the world has realized that uh, we wouldn't be eating or drinking or driving if it wasn't for frontline workers in these important manufacturing and maintenance roles. Excellent. Well, and these perceptions, uh, based on the survey results, seem to be changing where uh, were you surprised by the fact that so many of the respondents had a favorable view now of manufacturing? So I think I was surprised, but not totally surprised because over the last 18 months, I've seen an increasing recognition of the need to try and change these perceptions. So um, I was hopeful, um, but still a little bit surprised. And I think, you know, some of the perceptions, for example, around salaries was an interesting one because a lot of people have felt that the salary levels, uh, the average salary levels uh, for the domestic market here in the US would be even less in, in manufacturing. And I think the, the reality is that, you know, we found that, you know, it's, it's higher than the national average, which is, which is good. And I think there was a recognition from, you know, earlier career people that actually these were not necessarily low paid entry level positions they were becoming increasingly, you know, competitive. And then I think the other misconception, um, which was actually noted, which is that, you know, that it, it may be a, you know, low skilled or manual job, but I think there's a gradual recognition, which is changing around the skill sets and type of labor required, which is, is increasingly tech enabled. Um, and just a real time illustration, I was talking to someone this morning, um, you know, about Amazon and people are very, very aware of, you know, the Amazon distribution centers and e-commerce um, and people's perception that, you know, warehouses are becoming automated and there's, you know, automated guided vehicles. Um, Amazon have hired more people in the, during the pandemic than they actually deployed, you know, robots. So I think there's also this perception that, that jobs are going away. No, they're not going away, they're changing. And I think that was two things, you know, the salary and the perception of the jobs. Whilst, they've still noted that the career was not necessarily high skilled and more manual. There was a recognition that it's changing. So that was two that I was very, very positive about. It's interesting too. We've heard that in, at least in our sector, that maintenance workers might not be the ones who are always driving digital um, initiatives and that the reliability teams are the ones who can most afford the time to drive new roles, although, but, but that digital uh, technologies and advanced technologies are changing all three of those kind of roles, maintenance, operations, and reliability. There's been technology entering 
parts of the industrial world over the last couple of decades. It sort of started with back-end ERP or asset maintenance systems, um, and they were predominantly around sort of high-level planning. What I think you've seen is that as the recognition of the need for modern technologies has emerged, people started to see that there are areas which, you know, maintenance is a, is a really interesting one. Uh, efficiency is an interesting one. I think people have increasingly realized that actually there's a commonality here, which is their dark data. So a lot of the areas that are being digitized um, are areas where there's that six-inch binder or that 30 years of tacit knowledge. And I think maintenance is an interesting one where, you know, the maintenance area, you, you, you know, these are the classic 30-year veterans that have got unbelievable tacit knowledge. They can almost maintain machines with their eyes closed, but as machines have been changing and their, their own workforce has been changing, I think each of these areas have adopted at different speeds, but now there's sort of a, almost it's rising, the tide is rising for everyone. People are starting to see that replacing the six-inch binder and tacit knowledge with modern digital tools can actually touch all areas. And, and maintenance obviously has become incredibly interesting during the, the whole thing around asset performance during the pandemic, because with lower shift levels, um, the need to keep machines running. And so the whole importance of maintenance has gone more towards autonomous, meaning in-line maintenance where technology becomes very, very important. So I, I think that's one of the real positive things about the pandemic, and there's not many, which is that the recognition of certain of these roles around plant and efficiency and maintenance and the role of humans and technologies together has really sort of been highlighted. It's been fascinating to watch that happen too. I agree. I've seen that, especially as COVID sickouts continue across the workforce, not just maintenance. As you say, maintenance especially has had to deal with pickups to normal processes, normal normal rounds to check the assets. And uh, and yeah, there's, there's been a very strong interest uh, that we've seen in, in driving towards more automated work order uh, development, work order management. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the other point is that the other thing the pandemic has also highlighted is the need to actually cross-train and retrain people because you've had people that may be the quality person is now being asked to do some maintenance and vice versa. And so there's also this need, I think, to sort of upskill everyone to be able to almost be Swiss army knives. And I think, you know, where you were a maintenance engineer, now there's a there's an opportunity for you to be more than a maintenance engineer and vice versa. If you're a quality person, you can actually do other stuff with, with digital. Because this whole concept, I think, of autonomous, which is consistently and can and, and using digital to drive the whole process to be more automated. It's not about eliminating humans. It's actually just making sure these tasks are done more systematically. And I think that's really a, a positive sign out of the pandemic. Well, let me ask you a question about um, Gen Z in particular, as opposed and how the Gen Z results from your survey might complement a survey that plant services have done, because uh, we've done an annual workforce survey every other year. We're about to begin our own survey and tomorrow, actually, it opens up. Um, and we we survey a cross section of job roles from Gen Zs to Millennials to Gen Xs, um, and also um, um, Boomers. Who we were for the first time we're seeing Boomers in the minority overall of the respondent pool. Um, when we asked them what was important that would keep them to stay in an industrial job, uh, we found that to the whole cross section of generations. Wages and benefits were as important as training and development opportunities. Now, in the Gen Z survey that Parsable did, it was a slightly different result in that, at least to the Gen Z respondents, I think wages and benefits came out firmly on top. Um, I'm just curious to ask you, um, 
What's your understanding of some of those key factors that would motivate workers, maybe especially Gen Z, to stay in manufacturing industry once they get there? So I'm really looking forward to seeing your uh, your survey results because I think the themes are aligned with we, – we, we did a survey late last year, which was more holistically around uh, different – just frontline workers and their readiness for – for digital, and obviously this one was more around Gen Zs. Mm-hmm. We're at a unique time, particularly domestically here in North America, where we've got four generations in the workforce, you know, starting from boomers to Gen Xers to uh, millennials, and, and obviously it goes down. And I think what's occurring is that the as these generations are working together, there's an increasing recognition of like, mutual respect. And, you know, and, and I think about when we started our business, one of the biggest objections was, oh, these 30-year veterans won't use modern digital tools. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, that, there's a perception that I'm determined to change. And actually what you find out is that most uh, baby boomers do know how to upload a video to Facebook or send a text message to their, their kids in, uh, in university. Obviously, the, you know, the Gen Zs might do it to Instagram and use WhatsApp, but the concept of digital in the personal life is, is changing. So when we think about what's motivating people to stay, I think there are going to be different views against different generations. When it comes to millennials and especially Generation Zs, the, the, the need to be fulfilled, needing to be you know, appreciated, and to some extent to be happy. We have several customers actually monitor happiness of their frontline workers. And happiness might sound a little bit theoretical, but actually, you know, obviously compensation is important, benefits is important, but I think people also want to be connected. And I think that's where there's a really interesting opportunity because – Although the industry is suffering from this, you know, this demographic shift and people retiring, um, you've got an opportunity to bring in a newer generation. You just need to change a little bit the why they come to work and things like reskilling, upskilling, feeling that they're part of a, you know, a very ESG-friendly type organization on top of salaries and on top of benefits. So I think it's really about breaking down you know, perceptions of boomers versus and, and sort of saying, no, let's not think about perception, let's actually understand what really motivates everyone. Mm-hmm. And certain things may be more important at certain stages of their career, but actually it's a rounded set of requirements that really all manufacturers that think about this strategically, I think can really unlock both the you know, millennials, Generation Zs, and obviously still retain you know, as many as possible of the baby boomers. All right. If I could ask you a question about um, the perceptions of four-year university grads versus vocational school grads. This data point jumped out as potentially counterintuitive. I think a lot of folks would assume that vocational grads may have a more positive perception or interest or greater interest in manufacturing careers. But your survey found that 58% of four-year university grads were interested in, in manufacturing careers versus 43% of recent vocational school grads. Uh, I'm curious to know uh, what you what you thought about those results and other data points which might inform uh, why those results why those results came around. So this was definitely the biggest surprise for me um, because I certainly assumed that the difference between vocational education and more of a four-year university education would be maybe even flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually look at the data, I mean, they are different, but they're not like one is 80%, one's 20%. So I think what it recognizes actually is that there's potentially you know, an interest within both groups mm-hmm. as the access to manufacturing programs becomes more viable. Um, one of the biggest things I've observed, you know, around the world, obviously virtually, but before the pandemic physically, is how each different country and actually yeah, how each different state 
thinks about industrial work, um, there's certain countries, Germany in particular has done a fantastic job. Uh, China's done a very good job. Mexico is doing a very good job at making both vocational and university educations um, sort of very much harmonized around industrial world. So I think that I was surprised, but as I sat back and thought about it, um, yeah, my perception was, you know, four-year grads versus vocational would be somewhat different. But I think it's a recognition that maybe, you know, certain people believe that, you know, it's low-skilled manual job um, and maybe that's vocational, whereas university is the other way. But I think that's that sort of blending. So, again, it's a positive view because I think maybe the pandemic has uh, explicitly or subliminally impacted both of those communities. And I do think it's one of the biggest opportunities we've got domestically here is to drive greater and greater curriculums mm -hmm. in vocational training because you do not need to have a four-year degree to do a lot of these jobs. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that's also one of the – some of these advanced jobs, you don't need a four-year degree. Obviously, it helps, mm -hmm. but – you can do vocational education if you get the right level of syllabus. And I think that's the other sort of inherent finding is that maybe that is starts to work into the community. Interesting. You, you reminded me of something my brother-in-law once said. He's a, a Generation X like I am. And he went, uh, he went to a two-year community college for his first two years and then graduated from a four-year university with an engineering degree. And all he ever said was, Tom, I want to do one of two things. I want to build bridges or build toys. The issue wasn't uh, uh, ever staying one kind of building. He just wanted to go where he was able to build things. Uh, and so your point about the fact that this isn't a huge range of respondents here, you've got 58% versus 43%. There's an overlap. It's not like 80-20. These, right. these are folks who know they want to build something or That's work right. in that area. That's right. That's right. And I, I think there's also hopefully um, an emerging understanding that the fear of uh, jobs being automated away um, mm. is probably more of an impact on people that are in desk jobs um, than actually frontline workers. There's, you know, there's a there's a general understanding about automation or jobs going away, but I think people are gradually realizing actually it's a lot easier to automate a call center than it is a maintenance engineer. And I mm. think that's something which I think almost also may be coming through is that not only are the the, the jobs are becoming more technology enabled, but they're probably more sustainable long term as well. And I think that's another interesting thing. And, you know, you mentioned about, you know, I, I'm also a Gen Xer and, uh, you know, I've, I've had a passion for manufacturing for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, now I can talk to my sort of kids and show them passables, modern digital tool and show them that this is like actually a pretty interesting role. And by the way, you know, you could go into a bank or you could go into a manufacturing company. I think you might find more personal fulfillment and career actually in manufacturing in the future. And I think that's the other thing that may be inherently, you know, working its way into the, into the perceptions. Excellent. Well, uh, we got more question to go, Lawrence. Let me ask you, and, and from a hiring perspective, let, let's get away from the people who responded to the survey and talk about the hiring teams. You know, uh, there's a lot of interest among uh, hiring teams that I've talked to in the Gen Z's and the millennials, how to keep and retain good employees. Based on the results of your survey, what should hiring teams be doing differently, if anything, to attract the people who who uh, let everyone, who are responded to your survey about manufacturing? Yeah, so I have a, a very, very, very strong point of view on this, which uh, I, I sort of say to executives in manufacturing and, in fact, all frontline workers, that uh, if you don't put this as a number one priority, you are literally running an existential risk of your business because we've already got here a shortage of, of labor. It's not going to slow down. Yeah. And 
hiring of manufacturing and maintenance teams was sort of like a sub oh it's lower down the list for the people functions yeah the hr functions were more focused on the what obviously used to be called the white collar workers versus blue collar workers i think there's a a real recognition that there's there's three things that i think that these hiring teams uh, need to do as a result of these surveys you know number one is really partner with educational institutions to help dispel any of these lingering misconceptions because i think having you know industrial companies directly working with these education facilities whether it's universities or vocational you know colleges i think can really really help so get into those colleges and really start to proliferate the potential of these jobs so i think partnering with education institutions is important um i also think they need to really do a better job of explaining the range of benefits um not just it's you know 18 an hour and it may go up to 22 and you know it's got to be okay salary growth opportunities job security diversity availability of digital tools a lot of these things are super important to gen z's and actually i would say to increasingly everyone and you've got to make that as part of your pitch which is that we do believe in diversity we do believe in security we do believe in growth opportunities and of course we're also going to pay a competitive salary so i think that's the second thing is think about the range of benefits broader than they currently think today um and then the third thing is which is you know obviously to some extent why passable has been you know successful with companies is that you know technology is super important to uh, all generations but as you go down the generation stack of baby boomers to our generation you know i live my life on laptops and my smartphones you think about millennials you think about gen z's that's the only way they've learned yeah mm-hmm. so having technology front and center and and making sure that those tools are available to attract and enhance their daily lives i think is important so there are the three things i think is partner with institutions it's thinking about the broader spectrum of benefits of why you come and work and then just making sure that technology is front and center to gen z's that's terrific i hope anyone who's listening to this who's on a part of a hiring team is taking your advice to heart um everyone who's listening will put links to the blog post by Parsible Gen Z Worms to Manufacturing Jobs uh in this in the podcast notes section we'll also post a link to the World Economic Forum um and with that Lawrence Whittle thank you so much for being part of the podcast today thank you Thomas really great to uh, to share these ideas with you thank you for having me on